Welcome to the podcast, Walking You Through the ICU. I'm Kaylee Dayton, an ICU nurse practitioner and ICU consultant. This is your guide to helping your loved one survive and thrive during and after critical illness. This is not medical advice, but medical information. Please collaborate with your wonderful ICU team to apply this information as appropriate for your loved one. If you are looking for tools for advocacy specific to your loved one's journey, please book a counseling session with me at www.daytoniceuconsulting.com. The podcast blog with studies, pictures, videos, and resources related to these episodes are found on the website as well. All right. Now that you have quite the foundation of understanding behind the principles of delirium prevention and mobility, let's tie it all together into a neat little package that your ICU team is most likely to recognize, the ABCDEF bundle. Dr. Wes Ely from Vanderbilt and his powerhouse team spent years researching delirium, identified problems, as well as some solutions. They created a protocol to guide ICU teams out of the rut of sedation and immobility and called it the ABCDEF bundle. So let's review it letter by letter. A is for assess, prevent, and manage pain. B is for both spontaneous awakening and breathing trials. C is for choice of analgesia or choice of sedation when necessary. D is for delirium, assess, prevent, and manage. E is for early mobility and exercise. F is for family engagement and empowerment. The ABCDEF bundle is recognized as the gold standard of care and yet implementation and standardization of it have really struggled. Often because real education behind the reality of sedation and immobility is lacking. So old beliefs and habits have persisted. It is important for you to understand what this protocol is and how it's supposed to be conducted. So let's break it down again. A, assess, prevent, and manage pain. There can be a lot of pain during critical illness, but infections, trauma, surgery, tubes, lines, and down to back pain from being stuck in the bed can and should be treated. But this has turned into automatically starting high dose narcotics, such as fentanyl, along with the sedation right after the breathing tube is placed. I suggest that pain cannot be adequately treated if we do not have the opportunity to assess it. And best yet, if patients cannot report it, when we automatically start medically induced comas, we are guessing at pain. Furthermore, narcotics are not benign. For every equivalent of 10 milligrams of morphine, there is a 2.4% risk of delirium. That doesn't sound like very much until you have a fentanyl drip going at 75 to 250 micrograms per hour. And now the risk of your loved one developing delirium or acute brain failure has increased to 72 to 108%. So yes, we need to treat pain But when we automatically deeply sedate patients, we miss the opportunity to do so optimally while preventing harm. I have found that many patients in the medical surgical ICU are able to have their pain managed with things besides narcotics 
And then narcotics can be given at low dose and titrated up, but never to the point of being comatose. Patients can usually tell us what they are experiencing, what they need, and what helps when we allow them to be awake and communicative. They should be navigating their pain control. In episode 78 of my other podcast, a delirium survivor talks about being in incredible pain, but couldn't understand where it was coming from because he was lost in terrible delirium and was watching his siblings be pulled apart limb by limb. And the misinterpreted pain was far worse. He said he would have rather have been in the reality of the ICU than where he was in his mind while in a medically induced coma. He would have rather have understood his situation and that the pain was coming from an infection in his arm and not from graphic abuse and violence. Also, when patients are sedated, delirium or other things can be interpreted as pain. For example, when they start to move around and become agitated and act impulsive, the fear is that they are having pain. So the narcotic dose is increased. That is not assessing or treating pain. A common complication of continuous narcotic infusion and immobility is that the bowels slow down and can stop, which causes an ileus. This is a very uncomfortable and dangerous condition. It is better to treat pain with minimal narcotics and to the patient's needs rather than automatically giving high dose narcotics to everyone on a ventilator. Being on high dose doses of narcotics for a prolonged period of time can also cause tolerance or dependence. So when the ICU team is ready to wake the patient up, they can't safely stop the narcotic without the patient going into withdrawal from that medication. The problem is a patient may be admitted for pneumonia requiring the breathing tube, but was never in pain. But these medications were automatically started without the patient's ability to tell the team what they were experiencing or needed. And now they have delirium, an ileus, bed sore, weakness, a new hospital acquired infection and a dependency on narcotics. That is not what the ABCDEF bundle is about. A means assess and treat it with minimal narcotics rather than follow a cookie cutter process for every patient. B is for spontaneous awakening and breathing trials. This somehow came with the assumption that teams are going to habitually sedate patients after every intubation. This B part obligates them to give the patient a break from sedation and see what their brain is doing and if they can breathe on their own. This requires the nurse to gradually turn down the sedation on the IV pump and allow the patient to wake up and for respiratory therapists to then change the setting on the ventilator so the ventilator doesn't give patient breath and the patient has to take their own breaths. Ideally, this should be so that we can see if the patient is delirious, has pain, and to push to treat the delirium by keeping the sedation off, involving family, and getting them mobilized. It is important to recognize that this part can be very difficult and taxing on the nurse. Understanding that sedation causes delirium, then when we continue this habit of automatically starting sedation and we push the nurses to follow this protocol of turning sedation down, then they have to try to keep the breathing tube in the patient that is very likely 
scared, confused, agitated, thrashing, and trying to pull out their lines and tubes and get out of bed. No one likes this. This is partially why the ABCDEF bundle has been a struggle to implement with this approach. It is hard on the nurses. So when this is their experience and all they see from decreasing sedation is an absolute nightmare, they're more likely to skip this step or will turn down sedation just enough to see them move all of their extremities and know that they don't have obvious signs of a stroke, then hurry and turn the sedation back on. Again, this is not malicious of the nurses. It is because they do not understand the reason patients are thrashing. They think it is all because of the tube and they believe that they help them by turning sedation back on and turning off their movements. So what is your role in this? Ask for a sedation vacation, hold them to the ABCDEF bundle, be present during the vacation. When your loved one emerges from sedation, hold their hands, talk to them, reorient them, ask for physical and occupational therapy to be present during the vacations so they can help your loved one get up to truly address the agitation. Mobility will help them wake up better, release their stress, connect with their environment, get worn out, and be at a lower risk of having sedation turn back on. Help keep your loved ones safe by keeping them restrained if they are in a wild crisis, keeping their breathing tube and lines safe, help the staff feel your support, help them understand your concern about sending your loved one back into the depths of delirium and risking death, PTSD, and post-ICU dementia. They will be less likely to run back to the sedation. Some ICU teams have specific parameters for when sedation vacations can be performed. In the early stages of the ABCDEF bundle, there were lower ventilator settings that had to be achieved before it was felt safe to allow patients to be awake. That practice didn't have reason or evidence behind it and is now considered outdated. Despite the lack of evidence, some teams still do not do sedation vacations until the lungs are healed and ventilator settings are very minimal. And then they want to see if they can take the breathing tube out. When we wait that long to take off sedation and mobilize patients, too much damage is likely done and they're going to have many complications such as needing a tracheostomy and having more time on the ventilator. Unless there are exceptions such as continuous seizures, open abdomen, brain bleed, chemical paralysis, and so forth, nearly every patient receiving sedation should have sedation vacations as a standard of care. Ideally, sedation will not even be started. Yet, if it is, help your team understand that you expect the ABCDEF bundle to be practiced and that you will want to be present during the station vacation for the awakening trial. Culturally, if a patient becomes agitated during a sedation vacation or awakening trial, it will be considered a quote, failed trial. Please keep in mind the root of the agitation is likely delirium and that sedation will only mask, prolong and exacerbate it. This is a highly misunderstood concept in the ICU world. If your loved one is showing signs of delirium, it should be an emergency to help them get out. And sedation is not the long-term answer. You can ask questions like, does my loved one have delirium? How can we treat it? If they're sedated, 
they can't get sleep, family, and mobility. So how is this helping acute brain failure? Again, use those tools of communication to navigate this appropriately. The ICU team does not need to be under attack. They need to be supported. Depending on how long your loved one has been sedated and with which medications and what doses, a sedation vacation may reveal hypoactive delirium and your loved one won't wake up for a few hours to days or more. Then it is all the more important to not give the very sedation that caused it. In the awake and walking ICU, COVID caused the team to learn sedation vacations. Remember, they don't start sedation on patients, so there was no need for breaks or awakening trials before. Yet when patients cannot oxygenate with movement, the need to be on their stomachs and paralyzed comes, and then it is time for deep sedation and paralysis. Yet they keep them walking up until that point and are desperate to have them down for as little time as possible. So how can they then know if they're ready to be off of sedation and can oxygenate with movement? They take off the paralytic, then they wean off the sedation and see how they oxygenate as they start to move. That is a true sedation vacation. Once they see that they can be on their backs and maintain oxygen saturations with movement, that sedation is long gone and they have them sitting, standing, and working on walking again. That is what an awakening trial is for. If sedation is necessary, we have to make sure we are assessing for the need for it throughout the day, every day. Otherwise, we get comfortable with having a flaccid patient. We just have to turn every two hours and we stop questioning why they're that way. So ultimately, this is how to help teams get your loved one awake on the ventilator. You advocate for an awakening trial. You help everyone stay calm and work through the delirium with the help of physical and occupational therapy. You advocate to keep sedation off. C is for choice of analgesia and sedation if necessary. If a patient does need to be sedated, then it is important to choose the medications wisely. Each sedative works in a different way and carries different risks of delirium. You can help by asking what kind of sedation they are on and if there are any options that have a lower risk of delirium and muscular atrophy. Things like Presidex can be a great light sedative that carry a low risk of delirium. Midazolam or Versed has made a reappearance during COVID and has a very high risk of delirium and death. The ABCDEF bundle means that the safest sedative with the least harm is chosen when it is necessary. The dose and depth of sedation can also really vary between teams and clinicians. The ABCDEF bundle means that the lowest dose of sedation for the most awake and level of calm possible is chosen. You have a right to understand the choice of sedation for your loved one and to advocate for the least harm if sedation is necessary. D, delirium, assist, prevent, treat, and manage. By now you understand how important this step is. It is important to note that it is impossible to assess delirium if a patient is continually deeply sedated. It is especially impossible to treat delirium when you are giving something that causes it. Sedation is rarely appropriate management for delirium. Delirium is assessed with a tool called the CAM score. 
It is a test that evaluates how awake a patient is and how quickly they respond to voice or stimulation. Then it assesses their mental status and orientation. Um, they are given the task to squeeze a clinician's hand upon hearing the letter A during the spelling of the phrase, save a heart. That tests how well they pay attention, understand and follow commands and more complex tasks. If they do not pass this test, they are considered CAM positive, meaning they have delirium. Sedation should only be considered if a patient is climbing on the walls and a huge risk to themselves or others. Then it goes back to C, choice of analgesia. This will be demonstrated in a case study in an upcoming episode. And even and especially in those cases, sedation should be a temporary measure to keep the patient not deeply sedated, not comatose, but down to a point in which they are calm enough to mobilize and utilize the true tools to treat delirium. E is early mobility. After last episode, you understand how important this is. Be aware that the term early mobility is very subjective and means different things depending on the ICU team. Early can mean anywhere between hours after admission to the ICU or right before they leave the ICU. Mobility can mean moving flaccid limbs while they're sedated, or it can mean walking, doing arm and leg bikes, step boxes on the ventilator. Coming from an awake and walking ICU, the standard of early mobility is doing their, is doing their baseline, which is usually walking, hours to 24 hours after having the breathing tube inserted. It maintains their baseline physical function from the very beginning. This is the goal and they are usually successful. If a patient walks into the hospital, they should be able to walk out days to weeks later. This level of early mobility has led that ICU to have only a few tracheostomies in their COVID survivors and almost all of them have been able to walk out the door and discharge home. There was a large ABCDEF bundle study done a few years ago with 15,000 patients. It had impressive findings such as decrease in death, coma, delirium, physical restraint, mechanical ventilation, ICU readmission by 46%. And it found that patients that had the ADF bundle were 36% more likely to discharge home rather than to a facility. Yet one of the most important things to note about these findings is that the outcomes were dose dependent. Clearly across 15,000 patients in many different hospitals with different teams, not everyone implemented this protocol the same or to the full extent. For example, among those 15,000 patients, only 7% took steps on the ventilator by their bed and only 5% took steps in the halls. That meant out of 15,000 patients, only 12% were actually standing, bearing weight and trying to walk. Yet those that adhered more closely to this protocol had the best outcomes. The more you avoid sedation and the sooner and more aggressively your patients are mobilized, the more likely they are to survive and thrive. F is for family engagement and empowerment. This means that families are involved in the patient's journey in the ICU. This is a vital piece of the puzzle that was removed during COVID. 
families are being allowed back into the ICU in varying degrees, but it is important to recognize that part of practicing evidence-based medicine is having families involved. If you have not been invited to team rounds, ask if you can join. Have confidence as an important part of the ICU team. Listen to rounds and be prepared to ask questions when you have a family meeting with the providers. I'm not sure how limited visiting hours are validated by facilities that profess to practice the ABCDEF bundle. For years, research and the ICU community was moving to open visitation without restrictions. Yet during COVID, the risk of infection closed the doors to families for far too long, especially for overwhelmed hospitals with understaffed teams it makes sense to me to allow families to be more present and more helpful in patient care. If we really care about patient safety and outcomes, then increasing family presence should be a top priority in critical care medicine. In the awake and walking ICU during pre-COVID days, rarely did a family not have the opportunity to stay with a patient 24 seven. If a family was a huge hindrance to care and had to be asked to leave for the night. Other than that, they were totally open to being as present and involved as they wanted to be. We recognized that they were an important tool to keeping patients safe, happy, surviving, preventing delirium, and having maximum mobility and humanity in patient care. Just know the research is behind you. Get in there, be a team player, be involved, advocate, support your team members, be there for your loved one. You are part of best practices in medicine. Check the blog for citations on all of this information. Keep up the good work. Advocate on. If you want to help make this life-saving information available to others, please leave a review for the podcast, share it with others, and share the clinician podcast with your ICU team. Thanks for being a part of the future of critical care medicine.